Welcome to the Equine Veterinary Education Podcasts. Welcome to the Beaver Podcast. Today, we are joined by Ellen Singer, who is an equine surgeon. She is a recognized RCVS specialist in equine surgery and a fellow of the RCVS and a diplomat of the American College of Veterinary Surgeons, as well as the European College of Veterinary Surgeons. Ellen has served on the Beaver Council and the ECVS Credentials Committee and Board of Regents. Ellen's area of expertise is equine orthopedics and surgery. However, her love is colic surgery. (laughs) Welcome, Ellen, and thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be here, Lauren. Thank you. Today we are going to discuss your clinical commentary. Um, Should arthroscopy still be considered the gold standard technique for the evaluation of joint disease in the horse? So, Ellen, prior to the development of these three-dimensional diagnostic techniques, what has been the standard approach to diagnostics and treatments of joint pathology? The, the standard approach would be a clinical exam and identification of swelling of the joint or effusion, um, associated or not associated with lameness um, of that particular limb. Um, We would then usually proceed to uh, diagnostic nerve blocks um, in the purest sense to confirm that the lameness we had seen was associated with the effusion of the joint and then embark on some radiography or ultrasonography of the joint to confirm uh, what the actual pathology was within the joint. Um, Sometimes the step of nerve blocks is uh, eliminated if the horse, for instance, is a youngster with a suspected OCD uh, in multiple joints and obvious pathology on radiographs. And in that particular case, um, radiography would be used rather than diagnostic anesthesia to confirm a lesion in that joint. Okay, amazing. Would you then then decide to... um immediately proceed with arthroscopy traditionally? Well, yeah, in, in those cases, yes. Obviously, after after discussion with the client about the pathology, you would proceed to arthroscopy in those cases um, to better explore the joint. Um, I would also say, uh, as an aside, that in some cases of wounds where arthroscopy is going to be used to treat a septic synovial structure, then uh, appropriate diagnostic workup would precede that as well. Okay. So then how would you exactly summarize the the advantages of arthroscopy um, to directly treat joint disease? What advantages does arthroscopy offer you that um, radiography, perhaps an ultrasound, doesn't really offer at this stage? So I think the arthroscopy is seen as an adjunct to the other, those the diagnostic imaging tools we mentioned, um, radiography and ultrasonography, but the neither of those techniques is as good at giving us an image of the joint surface or any subchondral bone that might be exposed in the way that arthroscopy would. Arthroscopy really allows us to visualize the cartilage surface of the joint, if there's any thinning of that cartilage, if the cartilage is not intact in larger or smaller areas. Uh, It allows us to also then probe those areas and see what the quality or the, the mechanical um, the mechanical integrity of the cartilage might be in terms of whether it fibrillates, whether it's quite weak and soft, if it's firm, uh, what the bone underneath that cartilage feels like or the bone, bone where the cartilage is missing. You can also 
palpate the soft tissue structures that might be visible within the joint, such as the inner part of the collateral ligaments of the tarsal joint, of the tarsocrural joint, or the menisci and um, cruciate ligaments in the stifle joint. So the arthroscopy really allows us to basically have a little tour around the joint, see exactly which structures are involved, how badly damaged they might be, um, and and then make a therapeutic plan that can be executed during the same procedure to um, help with those pathologies. Okay. Um, then how would you say that the development of these new diagnostic techniques changed this approach? And what is the benefit of using this prior to recommending arthroscopy? Um, what I'm asking is how would you, you know, how would we decide then to go ahead with other modalities first that it seems like arthroscopy can offer us a real range of benefits? Yeah, I think that um, certainly for conditions of the foot, in particular associated with, say, the navicular bone, the navicular bursa, the coffin joint, um, and now further up the leg using MRI and potentially CT, that we can get a better idea of the pathology and the extent of the pathology prior to performing an arthroscopy um, in, in some cases. In some cases, an MRI or a CT might allow us to make a judgment that we wouldn't be able to access the pathology using um, arthroscopy, such as certain areas of the distal interphalangeal joint are hard to assess. The pastern joint um, is accessible in only some areas, and certain areas of the joint are not necessarily accessible with, with arthroscopy. And so the three-dimensional modalities can sometimes, they will give us a very good idea of the pathology and allow us to make a judgment about whether um, arthroscopy is going to potentially be an advantage in those cases. I think it's also important to talk a little bit about cost and that the three-dimensional imaging modalities are not usually inexpensive. And so for a, an, an, an owner who's trying to assess prognosis, potential prognosis relative to cost of what they're going to spend finding and making a diagnosis, it may be in some cases that a accurate prognosis could be offered to the client to allow them to make a decision about whether they'd like to proceed with an arthroscopy or not. Okay. And how would you decide which diagnostic modality to use? If you could only use one, which one would give us the most information prior to recommending surgery? I think that's going to depend on what condition we're suspecting. For conditions of the foot in terms of pastern joint, um, distal interphalangeal joint, on the navicular suspend the navicular apparatus or the podotrochlear apparatus, I think the MRI would definitely be my a three-dimensional diagnostic imaging modality of choice. It gives us such good information about the soft tissue structures associated with the foot. Um, and also of what's what's going on that we it allows us to determine if an arthroscopy would be beneficial. Sometimes it's related to the location of a lesion, say in the distal interphalangeal joint, or the severity of a lesion in the deep digital flexor tendon, or where again in the deep digital flexor tendon where it's located. Is it in an area that we can actually access with with our arthroscopy? I think in an area such as maybe the fetlock joint or proximal P1, where we're looking at injuries that may be associated with subchondral bone injury as the primary cause, then 
we can get an idea of the pathology that's there better with the CT that allows us to look um, at the subchondral bone. The MRI is very good at telling us if there's an active lesion, but often the signal that you might get on a stir image with an MRI might not necessarily tell you, allow you to see what you might want to see um, as regards the, the bone detail. Some of that detail you might get on a T1 or a T2 sequence, but the CT will give you somewhat better information about um, bone density or smaller changes in bone density that you might be able to pick up. Um, small fissure fractures in the sagittal groove of P1, there are cases where I've seen them on a CT but not really been able to pick up on the MRI if, if there is actually a little fissure there. Um, I haven't really mentioned... Um, MRI and CT of the upper limb that's being developed. There are a few centers that have the capacity to do MRI of, say, the stifle, but um, in the practice that I, practices that I've been in recently, um, that has not been an option. So I guess similar things would apply um, for disease of the stifle. Okay. How would you compare in, in places that have no access to MRI? Would you consider contrast CT an adequate, um, com, you know, an adequate diagnostic tool that could be used instead for equal amounts of information about the soft tissue structures? So uh, it, it may be operator dependent. Contrast CT does give a better um, ability to image the soft tissue structures, and I have less experience with that. Um, to comment on that, the images that I've been involved with, I've found it more difficult for me to interpret the soft tissue structures with the contrast CT than with the MRI. Um, that, that's my experience, and a, a expert diagnostic imager may have a different opinion than myself on that particular uh, question. Okay. Other than the proximal uh, limb restraints or constraints of diagnostic imaging for MRI and CT, are there an, any other pitfalls of using MRI and joint pathology assessment, and how could we improve that? I'm, I'm not sure I would describe them as pitfalls. I guess I would describe them as their challenges. It's difficult to assess the articular cartilage um, in MRI in some cases, the, the standing MRI has a lower um, magnet strength than some of the MRI machines that allow us that we would, would require a general anesthetic. And so the definition of the articular cartilage on the standing or 3.3 Tesla MRI machines is not as well defined um, as in a larger um, Tesla magnet. Um, having said that, there is very good work going on looking at ways of enhancing our ability to see that cartilage. Um, some of them are using intraarticular um, gadolinium for the MRI or with the CT using intraarticular ionated contrast material, which can help you visualize the articular margins, the margins of the articular cartilage and whether that contrast material maybe invades or communicates with the subchondral bone. There's some lovely work going on in Edinburgh looking at um, different T2, how to interpret, better interpret the T2 sequences um, of MRI, um, both um, higher and lower magnetic strength that will should help us improve our ability to, to assess the articular cartilage in these imaging modalities. 
Okay. Sounds exciting. It is. That's the work of um, Sarah Taylor's group at Edinburgh University. Okay. So what would your take-home message be regarding these diagnostic imaging modalities um, with specific reference to arthroscopy? Um, would you consider them, I think, in most cases, not a replacement, but more an adjunct? I, I think we do need to think of them as an adjunct technique. And obviously, our goal, our ideal or our super gold standard would be that we could do, we could perform multiple diagnostic imaging modalities on some of our cases before we embarked on arthroscopy. Um, financially, for some of our clients, that is not always an option, um, particularly when you start adding up say £2,000 for an MRI and then an additional for a CT um, and then an arthroscopy on, on, in addition to that, it can be quite daunting for the client. Um, I think we need to be selective of the technologies that would best, I guess, show the pathology that we were looking for. So for instance, a horse with a foot penetration, particularly um, maybe that, it's not necessarily joint pathology, but it's obviously a serious condition that I've found the use of MRI in the cases of foot penetration really, really useful in that it allows me to have a pretty good idea of the exact pathology when I speak to the client about potential treatment and prognosis. And I can really probably do a better job directing their expectations about what the results might be. Okay, yes, I think that, that the really important thing for us to consider as practitioners is is the um, extra information that we will gather on prognosis. Yeah, I, th I think, and, and to my mind, that, that's, that sort of closes the circle so that we can then advise, it's all about advising our clients about what, what the disease is, what the severity might be, and what the potential outcomes are. Um, as you know, some some people, the money is no object, but for others, money has to be a consideration. And so I think it allows us to advise them better about what their um, potential costs are in relation to what their potential outcomes might be. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really important thing for us to remember. Shame. Well, Ellen, thank you so, so much for joining us today. I really appreciate the time. And um, I think that that is a lot of information for us to to think about going forward in our decision-making before we proceed with arthroscopy. So thank you very, very much. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to this Equine Veterinary Education podcast. More on the subjects discussed in this podcast can be found online at wileyonlinelibrary.com forward slash journal forward slash e.